بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد In Surah Al-Hazab, Surah 33, we were discussing Ayah number 40. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ujim, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Ma kana Muhammadun aba ahadim min rijalikum walakir Rasulullahi wa khatamin nabiyyin. Ma kana Allah bi kulli shayin alim. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not the father of any of your men. But rather, he is the Rasul of Allah and the seal of all prophets. Allah indeed has always been ever knowing. We started the discussion on this ayah and we highlighted that the Prophet was not given a son, but the son that he was given was taken away from him during his life here. And then the daughters he was given, uh, they were also taken away in his lifetime except for Fatima. And Fatima also uh, did not live except for six months after the Prophet So you see there is no progeny of the Prophet that we may ascribe uh, to him and his family and say that he was guilty of nepotism or favoritism or any kind of ism that's related to blood. Because Allah subhanahu left him pure and clean so that uh, Muslims uh, would appreciate that the legacy of a Nabi is not always decided by his progeny. With the Banu Israel their legacy was decided by their progeny, their family members. Israel, the alias of Yaqub, of Jacob, and his sons are known as the Banu Israel, the children of Israel. Prophets came in their tribes and their families until Isa Jesus came. Every prophet who came after Ibrahim either came through the Banu Israel, the Hebrew line, or the Banu Ismail, the Arab line. In the Banu Ismail, there are only two. One is Ismail himself, and the other is the Prophet Muhammad So these were two lines of prophethood, meaning genealogical, according to your relationships with other people. Right. So, the Banu Israel, the Hebrew line, terminated with Isa salam. He was the last of that line of prophets. In the line of Banu Israel, Muhammad sallam was the first and last prophet who terminated with the Banu Ismail, the Arab line, and that is Muhammad But since he is the last of all prophets, there was uh, no reason to keep his progeny carrying on with the legacy of prophethood. Khatam and Nabi means that there is no tribal or uh, genealogical continuation of prophethood. 
that terminated with Muhammad So now who is going to be the standard bearers of the Prophet prophethood and Nabuah? Those who know him and those who follow him. Those who know him and those who follow him, meaning the Sahaba and the Tabi'un and then the ulama of this Ummah. And that is how the Prophet said, Al-Ulama wa Rahtatul Anbiya. That the ulama are the heirs to Prophets. So, whatever Allah Subhanahu gave to the Prophets before Muhammad Sallallahu he gave to Muhammad Sallallahu Allah did not leave Muhammad Sallallahu without the necessary knowledge of the previous Prophets before him. And that is where he said, I've been given the knowledge of people who came before me and the people who will come after me. This So nothing was left to imagination nor to speculation with the Prophet not having any children. In fact, not having any offspring that survived him. Imam Hassan Hussain they survived. Uh, they were his grandchildren, as we all know, and uh, they did not come into the picture until much later, as we all know also. So Allah knows everything. He knows everything. Sometimes in the Quran, Allah is all knowledgeable and all wise. Here Allah uses He knows everything. It is in the context of Allah knowing everything microscopically that he declares that Muhammad is Khatamun Nabiyyin. He is the seal of all prophets. So nothing that was required for the success of the Ummah was left out in the Nabuwa of Muhammad in the Prophet of Muhammad Allah gave him everything there was for him to distribute and to leave behind and the Sahaba took their share of knowledge and uh, other disciplines from the Prophet and collectively they all distributed whatever they had to their uh, students and their followers who then in turn started the transmission of this Ummah's knowledge. So what Prophets leave behind is sadaqah, as in the same hadith I just mentioned. Yeah. What do prophets leave behind for the ummah? Ilm, knowledge. So the ulama, they inherit knowledge from the prophets, even today. What knowledge? Knowledge of what the prophets had. And what is the knowledge the prophets had? Knowledge through Wahi, the Quran and Sunnah. So the ulama inherit which knowledge? The knowledge of the Quran and Sunnah. And they are entrusted with the task of learning, uh, understanding, and then teaching, disseminating the knowledge that they receive so that there is a continuation of prophetic knowledge up to today. And this will last until the day of judgment 
So Nabuwa was terminated, but the knowledge of Nabuwa was continued. Allah knows everything. So Allah knows everything. He gave the Prophet everything he needed to continue his mission of distributing knowledge and disseminating knowledge so that people will have access to what is the will of Allah, what is the will of God, which is the billion dollar question in the Ummah today. What does Allah want from us today? And the answer is, whatever he wanted from us during the time of the Prophet whatever he wanted from us during the time of the Sahaba and the Tabi'un and everybody else, every generation goes through trials and tribulations. We don't have a monopoly, fortunately, of saying that we are in hard times, difficult times. The Sahaba had hard times with the assassination of Omar, with the assassination of Uthman, with the assassination of Ali, with the assassination of Hussein, with all the fights and feuds and battles and wars that the Muslim Ummah has gone through from that time until today, the message remains the same. Allah knows everything. So he knew that Muslims will go through this because that's what human beings go through. Every civilization goes through norms of changes, ups and downs. You meander, you turn here, you avoid here, you divert here and you go this way. So the question in the minds of Muslims today, what does Allah want from us? The answer is, whatever he wanted from the Sahara, whatever he wanted from the Tabi'un, is exactly the same as what he wants from us today. And that is to first of all know the knowledge that Allah gave the Prophet and second, to implement it and to practice it. It's no different. It's not a simplistic slogan. It's a lifelong effort. In that effort to keep the Prophet alive, his prophethood alive. The prophethood of Rasulullah is not dead. There's no wahi, but he's still the prophet. Even today. When we read the kalima, we say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. There's no one worthy of worship except Allah. Allah is God. And Muhammad, what? The Rasulullah, he is. Not he was. Right? In the Arabic language, Muhammad was the messenger. We don't say that. We say Muhammad is the messenger. Muhammad Rasulullah is in the present tense. Meaning, from now until the day of judgment, in the barzakh, in the grave, on the day of judgment, in Jannah, Muhammad has always been, is, still is, and will always be. Who? Rasulullah. So the Nabuwa and the Risala of Muhammad exists today as we speak. That did not terminate. What terminated? 
wahi. Wahi discontinued with the Prophet ﷺ leaving this world. Did his prophethood discontinue? No. So even today, the Rasul ﷺ is our Nabi. So who is the only authority upon us today? Rasulullah. And that is why when people came to Abu Bakr, one or two people came to Abu Bakr and said to him that uh, you are the Khalifa of Allah. Abu Bakr immediately corrected him to know, I am the Khalifa of Rasulullah. I don't represent God. I represent a human being who is Rasulullah, Muhammad sallallahu I don't claim any divinity. I don't claim any divine inspiration. I don't claim wahi. I claim that I follow Muhammad So call me the Khalifa and the successor of Muhammad who is a human being. So he corrected the Ummah from day one that Muhammad is still alive. He is still the Nabi. And when we die, one of the questions in our graves will be, who is this person? So what will you say? Oh, you used to be the Nabi. Is that what you're going to say? I hope not. You are the Rasulullah. He is the Rasulullah. So whether it's in the past, in the present, or in the future, Muhammad is Rasulullah, period. Right? There's no time there. So this is our aqidah about Rasulullah sallallahu When we, inshallah, meet the Prophet sallallahu on the Day of Judgment, and at the Holy Prophet, may Allah allow us to drink from his hand over. Who will he be? Will he be Muhammad ibn Abdullah? He will be Muhammad Rasulullah. When we are with him, inshallah, his company, Allah grant us his company in Jannah. Who will Muhammad be? Rasulullah. That's our feeder. Khatimun Nabiyyin means there is no Nabi period after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because he always will be the Nabi. And the only Nabi that you need to follow. Right. So, the ulama who study the wahi that came to the Prophet ﷺ, they inherit that knowledge of him. And then they learn and they teach. And that is their role to be the heirs to prophets. And ulama waratat al-anbiya, this is how uh, the Muslim Ummah has kept this system and organization alive by developing scholars and creating facilities where scholars and teachers and students come together and they do what they do. The ramifications of that, the implications of that and the repercussions of that uh, unfortunately are shaped and formed by political situations, conditions, economic conditions, and other conditions that are outside of the realm of Nabuwa. But the knowledge remains the same. That doesn't change. You don't learn new knowledge that the previous Ummah already disseminated. That doesn't happen. You don't create new knowledge in Islam. That is called a bid'ah. So knowledge in Islam is very traditional, it is classical, it hinges on whether or not this was regarded as knowledge during the time of the Sahaba and during the time of the Ta'in. That's how we preserve the institution of Khatm al the finality of Nabuwa with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.
That's number one. Number two, the Prophet is the Nabi for all. Not just for human beings, but also for the jinn, also for the angels, also for any other creation that Allah has created. The Prophet is the, the Nabi for all. So whether it's time or space, or whether it's being, right? The Prophet is Rahmatun lil Alameen. He's a Rahmah for all worlds. Whichever world you go into, he is the Nabi. And he is the last Nabi for that world also. This is our Aqeedah. And this is what we believe in. Why? Because of Allah knows everything. Everything. Period. So wherever there is existence and there is a sense of understanding, the Prophet ﷺ is a Nabi for that thing. For that being. This is how we believe that Allah Taala entrusted the task of carrying his will, what he wants from people through the Prophet Wasallam, in, in a way that is mind-boggling, that you have successes, but you don't have the chief in front of you. The Prophet Wasallam is not with us physically, but he has successes. Khulafa. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, and then all the others who came, and all the ulama who came, they are heirs to the Prophet So as a collective effort, this ummah has preserved the finality of the Prophet Any person, or any group who undermines this, is not a Muslim, period. There's no discussion of that. There's no ifs or buts, or maybe there's no. If you don't believe that the Prophet Muhammad the son of Abdullah, who was born in Mecca and buried in Medina, is the final prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are not a Muslim. We will not discuss with you as Muslims. We will discuss with you as non-Muslims. Period. And this fitna did not start last century or the century before. It started during the time of Abu Bakr. In fact, it started during the time of the Prophet when Musaylama was there. Uh, that was there during the time of Prophet Abu Bakr dealt with him. He claimed to be an imposter and a Nabi. Right? So now we see that the, the, the issue of imposters who want to invade uh, intrusively into the dogma, the philosophy and the theology of the Ummah is not new. So you can say we have to go with the times. Flow with the times. Musaylima was during the time of Abu Bakr. He claimed to be a prophet. And there was another woman with him. She also claimed to be a prophetess. They were both dealt with. Right? So from the time of Abu Bakr until now, whoever came as an imposter, the Ummah dealt with those imposters. They didn't say, oh, give them a break. No. Why? Because the sanctity of Khatman Nabuwa must be preserved at all times, in all places, never mind who you are, what you are. So, the Ummah has been very firm and resilient on this issue. It's not a question about being liberal, conservative, or being accommodating. It is the truth. As I said, if you say there is one more than one God, are you a believer? No. If you say there is a Nabi after Muhammad wasallam, you are not a believer. It doesn't matter what kind of name you have, which culture you come from, how you dress, how you don't, 
how you love the Muslims, how you don't love the Muslims, no matter how many books on Islam you write or how many lectures on Islam you give, if you don't believe Muhammad is the last of all prophets, you are not a believer. And this is how the Ummah has addressed this issue. Now, the way to overcome personal grievances, if you have any, or the way to overcome the idea that I want to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then why are you restricting that closeness and proximity to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a response in the next ayah. Right. So human beings being human beings will say, why him? Out of jealousy. The people in Medina who knew the book, who knew Revelation, who used Revelation as their guidance in their lives, they knew the Prophet ﷺ from all the signs they read in the Torah and in the Injil. They knew he was the last Nabi, but did they say he was the last Nabi? No. Why? Because this was pride and arrogance and jealousy. Why him? So the Banu Israel, who became the Ahlul Kitab, they knew the Prophet ﷺ. The Quran says, that they know and recognize him the way they know and recognize their own sons. Why? Because his description is mentioned everywhere. In the Torah, in the Zabur, in the Injil. And they've read this, it's documented, they've read this. Why don't they believe? Human frailties, human weaknesses. All the human vices that come with the human being is the reason why they didn't. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a solution to overcome any kind of grudge we might have for the Prophet ﷺ, for the Banu Ismail, or for anyone else who is in a position of inheriting knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ. So Allah says, Ya Allah. O you who believe, remember Allah. Also, when you remember Allah when you're in Salat, okay. I do my Salat five times a day, so I'm okay. Allah says, no. Dhikran kathira. That's not enough. It must be plenty that if you believe Muhammad وسلم, is the last of all Anbiya and Prophets, and he's Khatib al Nabiyin, he's the seal of all Prophets, that you must make the dhikr of Allah who made him such. We didn't make the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Nabi. We weren't there. Right? We didn't choose the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to be Muhammad ibn Abdullah to be born in Mecca. We weren't there. So who do we say should receive the credit? Allah. So remember Allah, think about Allah, mention Allah, but how? Dhikran kathira. Plenty. Not just in your salat. Yes, in your salat you remember Allah. But outside of salat is dhikran kathira. And just in case somebody might say, well, I can do a very, very lengthy salat and that will be my dhikr. So Allah says, okay. وَسَبِّحُوهُ بُكْرَةً وَأَصِيلًا Make his tasbih in the morning and in the evening. Bukra. In the early morning, Rasid, and in the late afternoon. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Muslim community, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that if you truly believe Allah's fadl, 
his rahmah and his focus is on Muhammad sallallahu then you have access to the one who gave him that. And that is Allah himself. And how do you access Allah's fadl? Through the dhikr of Allah. You mention him. You make his tasbih. You make his tahmeed. You say subhanallah, alhamdulillah. You say la ilaha illallah. You make his takbir, Allahu akbar. And you mention him in salat, outside of salat. You think about him. And you enjoy his presence. You enjoy his being. You enjoy his sustenance. You enjoy his fadl on you. Just as you enjoy his fadl on Muhammad sallallahu So you are in the same camp. You're not left in this state of denial or agony or anguish or suspicion. Why only Muhammad sallallahu Why is he the last? Why can't anyone else have this kind of fadl and this kind of rahmah and focus from Allah? Because Allah doesn't want Allah doesn't want it. Why not? That's not the question you ask. What you want to do is, how do I benefit from that? How do I benefit from the station and the ministry of Khatwun Nabuwa? By remembering Allah. By believing that Allah can give you his fadl, although underneath the umbrella of Muhammad sallallahu and by making tasbih, Sabbihuhu means to say Subhanallah. It means to utter the words. It's not a mental exercise. Some of us sometimes get caught up with this. It's what's in the heart that's important. That's true. But you can't do your salat in your heart. You can't sit down on the sofa and think that I'm doing my salat. It doesn't work that way. Islam is about transparency and appearance also. What's your appearance? That you're, in, you're engaged in a ritual form of worship that others can say and testify that you are in worship. Others hear and listen to you mentioning the name of Allah and that's how you get your ibadah. Ibadah is not so subjective and private that no one else should know or see or hear what it is you're doing. Islam is about transparency. It's not about hypocrisy. Yes. Why? I don't want anyone else to know what I'm praying or saying. Really? Hmm. That's not how Sharia is designed. When you become Muslim, what's the first thing you do? You say to people, hey, by the way, you know, I'm going to write you an email. I'm really a Muslim, but I don't want to say this to anybody. That doesn't work. You have to pronounce the Shahada. You have to testify. Others must bear witness that you are this. Transparency. Right? Anyone talks about transparency nowadays in this political climate and so on. Um, so here we say, Islam is saying that your five pillars, except for soul, fasting is based on transparency. Fasting by definition has to be kept secret. So if you do want to secretly worship Allah, then fast. Nobody will know you have fast. Because that's between you and God. And that's what the hadith says also. As-sawmali, the psalm is for me. Fasting, Allah says, fasting is for me. And uh, the serf, servant of mine, he fasts for me. He, lives, he leaves his food and drink for my sake, not for anyone else's sake. But everything else, okay, you must perform in such a way that everybody else knows that this is what you're doing. You can't give zakat secretly. I'm going to give zakat secretly. Somebody on the other 
and must be a recipient of your zakat. Where you can pay zakat to the uh, internet, a cyber receiver. No, it's not about what's in your heart. It's about how you express what's in your heart. So when you love Allah, you want to express that your love is expressed on your tongue. That at least you hear his name. And you do this in the morning, in the evening. You do this throughout the day. Whether you're in Salat or outside Salat. Ya ayyuhalladheena And I'm not saying this. It's very clear. Even if you don't know Arabic, you can listen to the words, Mention Allah plenty. And so there's a mental mentioning, which the hadith also allows, and there's another mentioning, which is through the tongue, which is what is required in this ayah. Allah give us all tawfiq to do what pleases him the most, inshallah. One of the most amazing features of this ummah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has favored this ummah sometimes in ways that he favored his Nabi Muhammad sallallahu This is one of those ayat that bring out the effective barakah uh, and the, 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 the uh, transmitted barakah of the Prophet on the Ummah. One ayah which we all know of and we listen to usually on Fridays, Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusallun ala nabi. We listen to this ayah. That indeed Allah and his angels, they send salam and blessings and salawat on his nabi. This is on the nabi. This ayah which I just recited will come later on in the surah. Allah and his angels, they have a special focus and attention on his Nabi, and that is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And this ayah, what does Allah say? Allah says, هُوَ الَّذِي يُصَلِّ عَلَيْكُمْ وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ He is the one who sends salat upon you, Muslims, and also his angels. So Allah sends salat on his Habib Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He also sends salat on the ummah of his Habib. Isaiah says that. So Allah has a special focus upon you as an ummah. If you remain together, he has a focus on attention. He sends special salawat and divine attention upon you. Likewise, his angels do the same. His angels, just as Allah does that for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the angels do that for the Prophet sallallahu and then we are required to say Allah sallallahu alayhi Muhammad after listening to that ayah here we are not here we are supposed to appreciate and understand that it is the collective value of the ummah which is going to bring down Allah's favor and attention on us why does he send salat upon you the word salat we don't have time to discuss it is a very technical term uh, some other time, maybe, no, not here. Why does he send salat upon you and his angels? So that he may take you out and remove you from darknesses into nur, into light. He may guide you that in, from forms of ignorances 
and forms of injustices, he wants to remove you from that and bring you into the light, into the nur, into guidance. This is why he has special focus and attention upon you so that the the aqidah of khatmun nabuwa is maintained until the day of judgment. Right? Meaning that when Allah has a special focus on the ummah, the ummah will say that we will not allow any imposter to remotely suggest that they are a Nabi or a Prophet after Muhammad sallallahu We will not allow any imposter to innovate into Islam something that was never there in Islam in the first place. This is the special focus. is about removing ignorances and darknesses from the Ummah and bringing them into the light. So it's about guidance of the Ummah. This is a special favor. Some people will say, why can't you just consider these worldly favors also? Right. Maybe you could do Give me something also. There is no greater favor than Islam. In this world, there is no greater favor than Islam and than being a Muslim. Two things. One is Islam, the existence of Islam, and secondly, being a Muslim. Once you appreciate that, then all the other favors are secondary. Why? Because the other favors of God, indeed they are favors, but they are enjoyed by Muslims and non-Muslims alike. Are they not? Your water, your air, albeit very toxic, polluted, I know. Still a favor from Allah. Your land, your earth, your fruits, your vegetables, your food, your clothing, your shelter, your education, your family, your children, your parents. These are divine favors without any doubt. Your success in this world, right? your money, your wealth, everything. These are divine favors, but they are enjoyed by Muslims and non-Muslims. So when Allah addresses the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, is he going to inform them about a favor that is general and broad? Or is he going to inform them about a special favor? That's implied in the word salat, yusalli. Yusalli is a special favor, special attention. So Allah and his angels, they have a special attention to focus on you. And they do this all the time. Yusalli is a fair mubarak, meaning it is actually happening now as we speak. And it will continue to happen until we are, inshallah, alive. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his special favor as a focus that is unique to the Ummah of Muhammad So in this ayah we are blessed for being part of the Ummah of Muhammad This ayah proves it. And what is the reason? So that he may bring you out from various forms of ignorances and darknesses. Gulumat, many forms. So there'll be the ignorances of bid'ah, the ignorances of being extravagant, the ignorances of being unjust, the ignorances of being uncouth, the ignorances of being uneducated, or not earning halal, or whatever. So many forms of ignorances. 
that unfortunately we suffer from. And when he has his focus on you as an ummah, then he will provide for you means by which you will be removed from those ignorances and darknesses so that you may walk in light, guided. Nur. Very simple explanation to the word Nur, as I've mentioned perhaps before. You turn the lights off now. There's no natural light in this building, as far as you know, except that over there and over there. If you turn off the lights, that's the only light you'll see. If you turn on these lights, you'll see. So when the light is on, you see. When the light is not on, you don't see. When you have true knowledge, you see. When you don't have true knowledge, you don't see. You bump into things. You bump into each other. You bump into walls. And you fall over each other. And you fight each other. And you kill each other. That's Dhulumat. That's ignorances. And that's darknesses. Right? When you have no, you avoid all that. You ever seen ants crawling on the earth? They never collide. Sit down and observe sometimes nature. You ever seen two ants collide? Go in opposite directions. Who's there as a traffic warden? Is there green light and amber light? Is there red light? They have no Allah's guidance. Likewise, when Muslims had differences of opinion in the past, they never collided. Never collided. On issues of fiqh, on issues of knowledge. They avoided each other's collisions. They didn't have insurance. Maybe that's why. The reason is they had no Noor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is knowledge of Nabuwa. Knowledge of prophethood. That they were on the straight path. So saying to us in this ayah that look, I send blessings and the angels send blessings upon the prophets. So he is in a very different kettle of fish. He's alone. Stands alone. But through him and through the institution of Khatmun Nabuwa, I send special blessings on you also so that you may keep the institution of Khatmun Nabuwa alive. And what is Khatmun Nabuwa? That you keep alive the distribution of the inheritance of the Prophet You inherit the knowledge, you learn it, you disseminate it, and you keep those institutions alive so that you will not collide with each other and you walk with nur and light and you don't walk in darkness and in forms of ignorances and injustices. This is how we say that Allah's fadl is on this ummah. If the ummah chooses to be united on the platform of khatmun nabuwa, it's very important. I cannot overemphasize the need for us to get this aqidah right. It is because people assume that they are divinely inspired after the Prophet that leads this ummah astray. Anyone who interprets the Quran and the Sunnah in a way that the previous ummah did not so will create movements of violence. Invariably. There's nothing else they can do except be fanatical, except be extremist, except be violent, except be rude, except be impolite, except to be uncouth, except to be unaccommodating, except to be intolerable of other people's opinions because that is not light. It is dhulm. 
it is a dhulmah, it is both injustice and ignorance, com compounded. So, the way to preserve the sanctity of this ummah is to preserve the inheritance of the Prophet in his most original and pristine form. And that is through understanding the value of being the heir to the Prophets in terms of prophetic knowledge. This is how the Ummah has survived the turmoils of the past. As I mentioned, the question everybody is asking, what does God want us to do now in the 21st century? And the answer is what he wanted us to do in the first century, in fact the first day, the first 10 years, 30 years after the Prophet it's the same message, nothing has changed. It's the same will, same desire, nothing has changed. What we unfortunately have a problem uh, grappling with is that why is there no divine inspiration? It's because you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong book for your inspiration, for your guidance. There's a book of guidance. It's called the Quran. Why do you look there? There's a book of guidance called the Prophet Why don't you look there? There are books of guidance called the Sahaba. Why don't you look there? Allah has provided you with all of this through his fadl as this focus and attention on you is very evident, very apparent. But you, because you are here, you feel that you don't need that. In fact, you reject that and you want to find a solution outside of that. But outside of that, there's darkness. Outside of that, there's ignorance. You will be able to launch a space shuttle all the way to Pluto. No doubt. But will you be able to reconcile your differences with your wife? With your husband? With your children? With your parents? With yourself? With God? That knowledge doesn't come through science. It comes through an institution that is the perfect human being. Who is the perfect human being? Muhammad So, you can do laser, miracles with laser technology. Repair eyes and do everything at the microscopic level. At the macroscopic level, you can go all the way to Pluto and beyond. But, at the human level, you can only follow one man. And that is Rasulullah. Where is his manual? The Quran. Don't look for solutions to your human problems where there is no humanity. Where there is no humanness. Who is the perfect human being? Muhammad which was mentioned in the previous ayah. Indeed in the Messenger of Allah, there is the most beautiful example of how to be a human being. So, as technology advances, as science advances, as knowledge advances in universities and everywhere else in the world where there is knowledge, albeit of the dunya, it doesn't matter, it's still knowledge, we don't mind that. But at the same time, you cannot lose sight of who you are and who you should be. And who you are and should be is following the Prophet <coughs> So if as a Muslim you want to be successful, 
then one slogan is to acquire as much academic knowledge and skill sets and money as you can, which is just part of the solution. It could be a problem also. The other is to know how Muhammad behaved and who he is and what he did in these circumstances situations and what he left for the Ummah. He left himself for the Ummah and that's why he still lives as the Nabi of Allah and the Rasul of Allah. And Allah then says, Allah has always been extremely merciful with the believers. Allah has always been compassionate with the believers. If you believe, you will see Allah's Rahmah on you. And you will spread Allah's Rahmah through you. But that, the, the, the ability to receive that Rahmah requires some work on your part. If you give a child, mashallah, a million dollars in a suitcase, he's one years old. Is he going to appreciate that? He'll play with it. He'll make a mess of it. Maybe he'll throw it down the toilet. It's fun. Like toilet paper, you flush it. There are so many things to flush here. Believers need to become mature. In order for you to receive this Rahmah of Allah, you must become mature. Right. When you become mature, you see Allah's Rahmah on you. How so? That if I have an issue in my life, I can mention Allah's name and I'll be pacified. I can offer Turaqah Salat. I'll be okay for that moment. I'm not going to resort to pills. No? That's Rahmah. If you shake and quiver, you're human, that's fine. If you're distraught and you have a nervous breakdown, there's nothing wrong with you. You need to see your iman in your faith. Uh, where is this going wrong? I'm supposed to believe in Allah. And since I say that Allah is compassionate towards me, yeah, there's a problem here. And which human being on the planet doesn't have a problem? Why are you so special that you have a problem? Then what's the solution? The dhikr of Allah brings the tranquility of the hearts is in the dhikr of Allah, which is the Quranic solution. But you don't look there. You look to your pills. You look to your dear Abbey column. You look to your social media. You look to your Twitter account. You look to other people in the world who say, you know, support groups. You're supposed to look where the solution is. The solution is in Wahi. The solution is in the Quran, the Prophet and the Sahaba. They also had problems. And no one had more problems in this world than the Prophet Which is also our aqeedah. To make any sense. We all have problems, Allah will leave us of all our problems and give us sukoon and ikhman, inshaAllah. At the same time, we must appreciate that the Prophet said, no one has been persecuted nor hurt in the path of Allah the way I have been persecuted and hurt in the path of Allah. That is a prophetic statement. How did he handle it? So he came to give us that solution that when you have these issues and problems in your lives, don't look in the place of darknesses and where ignorance lives. Look where there is knowledge and look where there is nur. And that nur is with Allah 
and that Lord is with the Prophet We ask Allah to save us and protect us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to impose upon us anything that we are not capable of bearing. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the nur that came with Muhammad and follow that nur towards Jannah. Amin. Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khawki Muhammad wa alayhi wa sallam. Rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullah